All right, welcome to the show. Today on the 18th episode of Enterprise Eyeballs, our guest is Carla Howard. Carla is a strategic change consultant, professional speaker, and dream enabler. I want to learn more about that one. The thread that runs through her work is a love for personal and business transformation, whether helping corporations manage change, delivering keynotes, teaching emerging speakers how to get paid from the stage, or helping kind and ambitious women realize what's possible. Carla helps people move from where they are today to where they want to be in the future. Carla, thanks so much for coming on the show. Gosh, thank you, Andrew. I've been looking forward to this conversation. So thank you. Me too. And, you know, one of the things that stood out to me about you was this combination of business and personal. And I think that is exactly what we're concerned with here at Enterprise Eyeballs, understanding how to access the human, the personal side um, in especially a B2B world or a B2B technology world, which has uh, the reputation and tendency to just get way too technical and not human enough. But uh, Carla, tell me a little bit about what that combination means to you. And I know you've had a varied, uh, a varied career and journey. So can you just fill our listeners in about, um, you know, where you are today and how you got here? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And I think so many people struggle with really bringing that human side to business, whether that's in the corporate world or whether that's as an entrepreneur. And I certainly struggled with that. You know, I entered the business world about 40 years ago, and I can tell you so much has changed since then. Um, and for the early part of my career, I'll say up until about three years ago, I was really afraid to show too much of me, if that makes sense. So sharing who I am, what I'm passionate about, uh, and just not being so buttoned up and polished in everything that I do in terms of my brand or how I put myself out there. And I put a whole lot of pressure on myself in the beginning because I felt like Everything that I did, I was representing the company that I worked for. So I was more worried about their brand than I was who I am and who I stand for. And that's a huge mistake that I made um, and carried with me when I went into full-time entrepreneurship and have really, really struggled with that. And I would say just now I'm getting to the point where you will see if you follow me on the different platforms, especially LinkedIn that I'm just really showing who I am and what I think and how I support people in a really intimate, personal way that I just wasn't comfortable with for many, many years. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think it's obvious looking at your content and I think it's it's awesome. I mean, that's what people connect with. If you are looking for more engagement on LinkedIn, uh, especially, you can see the people who share more about their personality, their challenges, their struggles, um, those are the things that are getting high engagement. You know, it's not just a regurgitated uh, PDF or a post that clearly someone is sharing because they've been asked to share it. Uh, you know, it's when people use their words and uh, and usually show some uh, some form of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not insecurities. It's vulnerability. There we go. There you okay. Go, there you go. go. And then I'll talk about that. That's perfect. Uh, all right. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. So especially you see on LinkedIn, uh, people who are getting a lot of engagement are being very personal, sharing some of their challenges and are being vulnerable. And that doesn't mean necessarily being vulnerable, like, oh my gosh, here's this 
you know, the huge elephant in the room, my, my personal issues vulnerable. It just means, uh, everyday challenges. Uh, Hey, it's tough to, to balance my family life and my work life. There's a lot of stuff on my plate or man, that my last call did not go as well as I wanted it to. I'm disappointed, right? Vulnerability doesn't have to be about, uh, showing the most private, deep parts of yourself. It just is an honesty and an authenticity about what's not perfectly squeaky clean in that polished, uh, that polished arena you were talking about. How does vulnerability, uh, factor into, to your posts or what you work with people on? So I'm going to, I'm going to probably laugh out loud here because this is something I have struggled mightily with. And even when I thought I was being vulnerable, I wasn't because I was so used to hiding behind perfect content, perfect posts. Uh, and I didn't post a lot, but what I did post was very safe. I didn't really express an opinion. I didn't say anything that might be controversial. Everything was carefully, carefully crafted. And today, if you go look at my content, I mean, I have no makeup on. I'm walking around the neighborhood and I'm doing a quick Instagram reel. And I, you, if you would have told me five years ago, oh yeah, you're going to have no makeup on with your hair and a ponytail on a walk and share it on LinkedIn, I would have said, you have lost your flipping mind. There's no way that's ever going to happen for me. So I'm part of an amazing entrepreneurs group. And I think back about three years ago, First of all, I had just gotten laid off from my corporate job, which although I saw it coming, it felt really icky. And I had a lot of shame around that because I had this story in my mind that everyone associated with me saw me as a loser. They let go of me because I wasn't valuable. And then to show up on LinkedIn and especially in a vulnerable way was like too much. I'm like, I, I can't do that. So I posted a little bit. I was super buttoned up. And I then I started kind of sharing a little bit more. And I was away on a retreat with these amazing women. And one of them pulled me aside and said, we need to see you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing that now. She goes, no, you're not. And I said, no, no, I am. I am really. I'm like doing this and that. And she said, no, you're, we still can't see you. And I started crying because I realized I had so much to get over, to feel like I could actually show up and be vulnerable. And I love the way you positioned that because people get really confused about what vulnerability means. It doesn't mean making people feel sorry for you. It doesn't mean people feeling like they need to rescue you. It doesn't mean posting content that's controversial for the sake of being controversial. It means sharing who you are, sharing what you care about, and sharing your thoughts around that so that the people who need to hear you can filter through the noise and find you on social media. I think those are some great, some great kind of bullet points to, to get to the core of it. You know, I think uh, of some people, especially people very uh, uh, sensitive or, or empathic, um, you know, they're afraid of, of, sharing too much or going too far or not being truthful, you know? And I think one of the things that I'd piggyback on with that is that everything you share <laughs> has a filter of some kind, right? Like how you say it online versus how you say it to your best friend or your partner versus how you say it to your worst enemy, you know, things come out differently in different contexts. And, you know, I think for to be authentic, it's just about being truthful uh, you know, not lying, basically. If you're putting up a facade or 
spinning something so much that doesn't even mean the same thing, then there's a problem. But the reality is that you can be honest about how you feel in a very professional, very buttoned up way that's still authentic because you are showing, uh, you know, you're showing or expressing an opinion uh, that is truthful. And so it's, it is kind of a, I certainly am not a master of it, um, but it's an interesting thing to to get used to because uh, the hurdles I've you know kind of struggled with in this journey are like, does anyone care what I have to say? You know, uh, who what am I trying to put out there versus like who am I really, and where all these things intersect? And you know, the deal I kind of made my with myself and how I moved forward was just like. Just put out there what feels good and be honest about, you know, the message that you're trying to share. Um, but And sometimes you do feel kind of like an imposter or it's not comfortable. But I think especially LinkedIn is such a positive community. Uh, people really are supportive of one another. And I think you can see from the engagement of posts, uh, your own posts, that people really love to hear more about you. And the most successful posts I've had on LinkedIn have nothing to do with business. They, they're they just jokes and people appreciate my sense of humor and that's fun. And, uh, you know, that was a big aha moment for me. It was like, man, I can just be a goof. And that's what people want on this platform, even though it's the professional platform. Have you had any aha moments in terms of being authentic or showing more of your personality on LinkedIn? I have, and it's, it's messages in the back channel. So I'll get uh, direct messages, messages on LinkedIn, messages on Instagram or emails, primarily from women who will say, oh my gosh, thank you for saying that. Like, I can't say that yet because I'm still, let's say I'm still in corporate or, uh, you know, I'm going through this scenario and it doesn't feel safe for me to say the things that I want to say. And I so resonate with that. And every time I get one of those messages, it just feels good because it lets me know that we're having the right conversations and I'm reaching people that really, really need to hear that message. And it's funny because those silly little walks where I'm just sharing what's on my heart, I mean, they're slightly crafted, right? Like I think about it before I do it. I think about what do I really want to leave people with in terms of what's actionable that they can do next. So it's a little bit crafted, but it really is much more me telling my story and what I've experienced and how other people can avoid it, the the pitfalls or giving them some thoughts on entrepreneurship, you know, that I would have loved to have had as, as a new entrepreneur. It's those little things that resonate most. It's It's not the big posts I put out there or, you know, the messages about, hey, this product or service is going to change your life. Here's how those don't those don't really resonate. It's the smallest things that you think are just kind of fun or whimsical or just an idea that get the most engagement and excitement. You're spot on. You know, sometimes when you have a breakthrough and you think you've got a new angle to share some expertise or, so, you know, and it's like, wow, maybe maybe I can be a thought leader because I don't know if anyone I've seen anything like this. And you craft that banger and and post it, and nobody cares. And then like now uh, it I'm can be, on, yeah, absolutely. I went on a walk one day, and this cat was following me on a um, on this like uh, fence, and I filmed it. And all of a sudden, I heard this lady in the background say he's not a nice cat. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I like said a couple of things. I'm like, well, I'm going to go because this is not a nice cat. And I'm already afraid of cats. And that thing went crazy. And I'm like, because it was a cat and it was kind of funny and, 
you know, something unexpected happened. And then I gained a bunch of followers and, you know, on LinkedIn and it helped to boost my, my followers and people that are engaged, but it was a freaking cat video has nothing to do with me or my business. Yeah. As people love cats on the internet, it's, (laughs) uh, I think that's the first law of the internet or something like that. So Carla, um, I'm curious to learn more about get paid from the stage because I've done a ton of speaking, um, usually, you know, in a, in a volunteer sort of, uh, capacity, help other entrepreneurs, designers, uh, especially entrepreneurs, you know, working on their brands or, or, uh, raising money, something I've spoken a lot about. Um, but I don't think I've, I've been paid a couple times, but never, never big sums. And it was never my idea. Uh, so you got me curious, how do you get into the world of, of paid speaking engagements and where is that? Why is that somewhere that uh, you're working right now? Yeah, I, I, that is a fun topic for me to talk about because it's my newest thing that I'm working on. So I also started speaking for free. I would speak on behalf of the corporations that I was employed by. I'd go to these conferences and events. And I remember very, very clearly I was sitting at a conference And I was listening to the keynote speaker. I had just done a breakout, had over 300 people in it. And I watched the keynote speaker and I thought, I am every bit as good of a speaker as he is. And he's getting thousands and thousands of dollars for being on that stage. I need to do something different. This is about 10 years ago. And so you fast forward and I have made so many mistakes along the path to learning how to get paid from the stage because I literally had no idea what I was doing. I just would learn by trial and error, by Googling things, by talking to event organizers, and just by sheer grit and figuring it out along the way. Today, I am now a keynote speaker, a facilitator at events for organizations and associations. and. Uh, Today, my speaking fee is $9,000 plus travel and expense, and I book speaking engagements. And so I've had entrepreneurs reach out to me and people who are in my circle say, Carla, please like show us how to do that. I don't know how to make that leap. And I you know, thought about doing it. And then I thought, no, no, you know, everybody knows how to do this. And then I finally had a coach kind of grab me by the, the collar and say, listen to me. I need this. Other people need it. Please go build this. And I realized it was hard. You know, it took me 10 years. I lost uh, tons of value along the way because I didn't know how to transition from doing it for free or for a couple hundred bucks to getting paid the value I deliver. So I put the six week program together where we build your speaker package. I give you guides. We talk about how to build your speaking business. I bring in an event organizer who shares what does and doesn't work for her. And then I teach you what to do once you land the gig and you're at the event. And students actually apply for gigs during the six-week cohort. So I give them a spreadsheet and I walk them through building their speaker package, how much to charge and how they transition into earning significant money from the stage. And it's just, it's so much fun because all of the aha moments, people really learn how to fast track through all of those mistakes that I made. And it's it's just so rewarding to get those emails and have the conversations where they're now getting booked 
to speak. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun to deliver and participants are getting a, a really good uh, result from going through the program. That's awesome to hear. And, and you got one coming up. We'll plug it at the end of our conversation, but you have one coming up here shortly, right? Yeah, I sure do. Awesome. So we'll have all those resources at the end of the episode. I want to loop back on your posts where you're walking in the neighborhood. I mean, I take walks almost every day, get hike, hiking a few times a week. And that's really where I love to be. If I could strap uh, my computer to my chest and kind of just work on the move in the mountains, that would be uh, the way for me to do it. Cause I feel like my mind works better. Uh, you know, I can formulate my thoughts better. I can tell a better story. Maybe we should just take this podcast uh, and make it a walking podcast. I'm not sure, but I'd love to learn more about what walking does for you because uh, it's a huge part of my life and it's important. And I don't know a lot of walkers. Yeah. So I love walking and it's a huge part of my life too. I walk almost every morning and I live in Phoenix, Arizona. So when it's hot out, I have to be on the road by 5 a.m. because otherwise it just gets too warm. And it does so many things for me. Uh, first of all, it just gets my body moving in the morning, which gets my mind engaged. I do. I have a a little process that I, I go through when I walk. So I begin my walk and just kind of, you know, breathe it all in. And I'm big on gratitude. So I'll think about all the things that I'm grateful for at the beginning of my walk. And then I do this thing that I call my walking meditation. So I will pick a color in nature that I'm just going to look for while I'm out. And it might be yellow, green, pink, you name it. And then as I'm walking, I'll be thinking about that color. And all of a sudden you'll see all these colors pop up that you probably would have walked right past, or I'll choose a sound, right? I may be really focused on the sound of birds or the lizards rustling around in the, in the um, bushes. And what that really does is it helps me get really present and just connected on my walk. And then I think about what are the things that I'm really going to work on to achieve that day? And what if what have I struggled with that somebody else might benefit from either because I figured out a way around it or because I haven't figured out a way around it and I'm just stuck and struggling. And that's what I talk about on my videos. So Instagram now has reels that are up to a minute and a half long. So I'll just pull out my phone and start talking about that thing. And that will be my morning post on Instagram. And that's what you see me repurpose on LinkedIn that has really started to gain some attention because it is about business and it's that vulnerability piece where you really are letting them see a piece of you. And sometimes it's about business. Sometimes it's about meditation. Sometimes it's about, you know, the importance of finding joy in every day because that can get overlooked. So, you know, the, the content changes a little bit. What doesn't change is it's really what's on my heart that day. And it is all a result of getting up and taking those steps in the morning. How, how far do you walk every morning? Um, it varies. I mean, sometimes, so my hikes are five or six miles. Um, and again, very early because I'm here in, in Arizona with you. Uh, and we have a one and a half year old. So I try ah. to get it all in before she's up, you know. Um, uh, and I'll walk a couple times a day, usually uh, at least at least three miles a day, sometimes a couple of those walks, depending on how my meetings line up. If I have an hour gap in the middle of the day, I'm I'm going to be out walking around or, or moving because nothing will kind of reset uh, and, and prepare me for the second half of the day like that. 
Yeah, I love that. I've got a couple of loops that I do. One of them is three. My typical one is four, four point two five miles, and I have some that go up to six. So weekends or days that I are cool and I don't have much going on in the morning, I'll do the longer walk. I used to run, and I find walking. I don't know. It's just more peaceful. You know, I'll walk at a quick rate, but it doesn't hurt my knees. I'm not, and you know, I'm not out of breath and struggling. So my mind actually has a chance to kind of process things and I just enjoy the walks more. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the gal that's going to be up early doing that so that I can focus on the rest of my day. Absolutely. And I'm with you. I'm, I found you know, for me, there's a very uh, direct connection between how fast my body is moving and how fast my mind is moving. And a lot of the times the struggle is not moving quick enough. It's moving slow, slow enough. Right. <laughs> yep. And so, uh, yeah, on my walks, I will uh, breathe deeply. And so I'll breathe, inhale for 10 steps and then exhale for 10 steps as a way to slow my breathing and slow my mind. That's helpful. And then similar things with uh, listening when I, I don't pick out specific sounds, but in order to get that presence, I try to listen and pick out how many things I'm hearing at any given time. So it's like, that's one bird and tree over there. That's another one over there. That's the busy road over there. That, and you'll be alarmed how many, you know, how many things you're actually hearing in any given moment. It's usually a pretty big list and it really does help with that feeling of presence and appreciation. I mean, when you really are in the present moment, it's pretty hard to be uh, upset or, or, uh, you know, <laughs> focusing on the wrong thing because it's, it's all very, uh, humbling and, and, uh, overwhelming, at least is for me. Yeah. I'll tell you, uh, last week I came home and told my husband, I think mother nature's trying to tell me something because I, uh, ran into two rattlesnakes and a bobcat in wow. the space of one week. And I'm like, what? What is going on? But luckily I was present and I saw all three of them. So I'm here and it's good. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I got to kind of keep an eye out. Uh, in Arizona, you can run into all sorts of things. Plenty of coyotes. Uh, probably the most common thing that uh, I see that maybe not expecting. But at this point, I've started expecting. Um, yeah. I'm curious, uh, you know, it's when you're dealing with... Um, clients that want to get into speaking or some of the other folks you help, you know, I'm thinking back earlier in my career and there was like a hard line between the personal me and the business me. And, um, you know, I think over the last 10 years, the course of my career, I've found a much healthier balance and fluidity between the two things. But back in the day, you know, I was almost scared of I'm trying to think about how to articulate this. Like, I wanted there to be a hard line. I didn't want the business to bleed into my life and I didn't want my life to bleed into the business. And, you know, thinking back uh, on my journey with it, I'm not even sure, you know, how uh, I was able to get to where I am now. So I was just listening to what you're saying and, and curious if you had any insights for people that may be feeling that or don't want to feel such a conflict in the different parts of their life. Yeah, I, I definitely had that. Uh, you know, to the point that I would not talk about my personal life at work. I didn't bring it up. I kept it very, very separate, you know, and that was a different time too. And I'll say, especially for women, if we talked about our children or we talked about our personal life, we were seen as someone that wouldn't be ready for the next level because they were too focused on, you know, raising kids and having a family. 
And that, unfortunately, I took with me for a very, very long time. And it made it hard to break down those barriers and really, really integrate the two. I think now I'm really just getting to the point where that is very comfortable. And the, the advice that I would give is, you know, share what's comfortable, share the things that bring you joy. Uh, you can, like uh, some people don't like to have their kids or their grandkids on on video, then don't. If you if you do do that, I'll have my granddaughters do videos with me sometimes. We'll do fun things like I've got an eight year old granddaughter who is hysterical. We call her Bug, and I'll ask her questions like, you know, hey, you know, Bug, there's bullies at school and there's bullies at work. Did you know that? And she'll be like, what are you talking about? You know, and I'll ask her, how do you handle bullies? And then we'll say, yeah, you know, that's that's the same way we could do it at work. Right. And then I'll share that. And people love just that little glimpse into not only your personal life, but just making you more human. So I think it's different for everybody. And that's where the trick is. You know, what is your balance? What are you comfortable with? And where are you comfortable pushing that envelope a little bit? When I first started doing the walking Instagram videos, they felt really safe because I knew my colleagues from past companies weren't following me on Instagram. So I'm like, big deal. I've got no makeup on. I'm just out. I'm doing my thing. And then one day I thought, what would happen if I posted that on Inst on LinkedIn? And like my heart's racing now when I say that out loud. I thought, oh my <laughs> God, no, that's not, I am not doing that. And then I thought, okay, Carly, I always tell everybody else to do things they're not comfortable with. Do it. You know, let's just see what happens. And even still when I do it, it's like, oh, you know, it's just a little uncomfortable and it's getting better and it's resonating with people. So I think, you know, Think of where you really need to have a hard line, right? Where do you really have your boundaries? And what's important to you that you want other people to know and share? Um, I had, so here's a perfect example. I, I had my mammogram week before last. And um, I had been talking to a, a, a good friend of mine who hasn't had one in a couple of years. And I'm like, girlfriend, get your butt to the doctor. So I did an Instagram of me at the, at the mammogram clinic. And I'm like, ladies, you know, this saves lives. If you're waiting, don't wait, go out there and get that done. And that's, it's very personal and it's not at the same time. Right. And it's an important message. So I think knowing what's really important and on your heart to share and doing it in a way that is personal, but yet it, it still protects you is the right way to go. That's interesting. I think it is highly personal. I hadn't thought about that um, because you see different people share different things. Um, you know, we've talked about it a few times on this podcast, like there is a new version of professionalism and uh, people can articulate it. And what we have identified in conversations is that a lot of it has to do with the fact that we're doing so much more on Zoom or video calls that, you know, real life showed up in the background in a way that it never did before, right? Pre-pandemic. And so um, certainly the lines have shifted, but it's hard to define exactly what is that new uh, professionalism? What is too much? What is too personal? What is, you know, appropriate or inappropriate? So I was just curious if you had any ideas about specifically what's shifted um, or if it's just always evolving and uh, it may be different week to week. Yeah, I think uh, it, it, the idea that your life is happening has shifted. I don't think pre 
virtual work being the main way we work. I think we talked a lot about integrating our life, our business life and our personal life, but it didn't happen because you're sitting in an office. Well, now you're, you're not. So um, I lost both of my parents in the last two years and my mom had uh, lost her last December and I cared for her for a year uh, before she passed away pretty intensively. And I'm, I'm a consultant. So my main consulting client would know that I was at my mom's because of the pictures behind me. Right. And I would be sitting there. It was just so cute. And I've got the CEO and the senior leaders on the line and the pictures behind me. So they know where I'm at. All of a sudden you'd see my mom's little hand come in the zoom. She'd have like a cup of coffee and she'd be sitting down. And, you know, of course, everybody can see this. And my CEO would be like, hi, Carla's mom. How are you? <laughs> and she'd say, oh, I'm fine. I'm just bringing Carla a cup of coffee. And they would just laugh, you know. And I was so grateful for that because it humanized everything. You know, my mom knew who they were. They knew who my mom was. It's not like you know, she was on the call with me. And sure. it also wasn't like everybody wasn't freaking out because Carla's mom just brought her a cup of coffee. And it it gave way for uh, me to be able to do both in a substantial, real way. Ten years ago, that would not have happened. Five years ago, that would not have happened. Sure, I could have taken family leave and cared for my mom for a number of weeks. But my mom bringing me coffee in the middle of a big business meeting where we're preparing for a board meeting, that would not have happened. And it was a beautiful thing. And it didn't take away from either. My mom didn't feel like she wasn't being cared for. And the company I worked for didn't feel like I wasn't doing my job. So this is the evolution that I believe has been long overdue. And there's now space for us to be ourselves, serve our clients, and take care of the people that matter most in our lives. I think that's a great way to put it. I think, uh, you know, we've gone fully remote. I know there's so many mixed opinions on it. And I think in my perfect world, we would have an office, but definitely not be there, uh, you know, 40 hours a week. And what I, you know, my opinion on going remote was always the same. It's like, you know, you're probably only getting 20, 20 hours of like really focused work from, from everybody. Cause the reality is if you're really focused and really getting things done, 20 hours is a, a week is a lot. You will be mentally exhausted if you're actually focused for 20 hours. Um, and or 20 to 30 hours. And, you know, it's like you can either have people sitting at their desks in the office, uh, getting 20 to 30 hours of work a week done, or you can have them, uh, you know, at home uh, getting the same amount of work done. But the difference is that they can use the other time to actually take care of themselves, actually reset, actually, uh, you know, be available to their families uh, and live a more balanced life. So they, it's, I think with the right culture and the right work, obviously it's very company dependent, industry specific. But for us, to me, it was just, it wasn't about working any less. It was about getting rid of the lie that people were working in the first place for 40 hours a week, when in reality that 
I don't think that's the case. And I've had people argue with me about it, but I'm not convinced. I don't think, you know, there's a lot of time wasted. And I think going remote has let people waste less time, not waste more time, because um, I'll take fewer quality hours over, uh, you know, a higher quantity of, of crappy hours any day. Yeah. And then, you know, there's the getting stuff done factor. You can take 10 minutes and go start a load of laundry and jump on a Zoom call. You know, you don't have to drive that hour in and out every single day to work or however long your commute is. And um, it just opens things up so that you are more productive and your quality of work, I think, goes up because you're able to take care of all the parts of your life. I think it's definitely good for that balance. And I think it comes with challenges. The challenges are keeping the uh, the team culture lively and fresh. It's hard to uh, have some of that same uh, organic spontaneity and serendipity when you aren't in the same room. So there are definite downsides and things you have to be aware of, but I think overall it's a net positive and helping people be the more balanced version of themselves is good. It's more than just uh, good for humans, it's good for it's good for business and the bottom line too, because people can show up and be the better version of them, the best version of themselves more often when they have that balance. Yeah, absolutely. So the last part of your bio really got me hooked. You said you are a dream enabler. Can you talk a little bit more about that and you know what those words mean to you? Yeah, I love that title. And when I landed on it, it was like a, a big sigh of ah. <laughs> and the, the way that that came to me is I have had so many people who in my life, whether it's in my personal life or in my business life, especially women who have a vision for what they want to achieve for themselves and their careers and their personal lives and they don't have the belief that it's something that's actually achievable. And the the thing that just constantly resonates with me is this feeling that they have that they have to achieve something or do something or have so much experience before they can start. When the trick is really starting, taking those small steps, learning and growing along the way and just continuing down that path. You know, I often have women who will say, oh, you know, I'd love to start a business, but I, I don't have, and you can fill in the blank, the technical knowledge, the time, the money, the connections. And I didn't have any of that when I started either. The trick is to start. You know, every big business, every big idea, every life of a person that you look at in envy started with an idea. Nobody makes big leaps. Nobody wakes up one morning and the penny drops and they jump out of bed and they create a product and they put it online and become a millionaire. It is always the small steps that get you to that place that you want to be. So I love doing the work of helping people see what is possible and taking those steps and making that dream life a reality for them. And I, I do that through, I've got a, a Sparkle and Rise community Facebook group where we it's free and I we 
work together as high achieving women to support each other in that dream. I have a Rise Sister membership for kind and ambitious female entrepreneurs. And then the Get Paid from the Stage program. A lot of people who dream about being a keynote speaker, dream about showcasing their brands through speaking, feel for whatever reason like they they can't do that because, and so the program steps them through exactly how they can get there. So the whole dream enabler piece is around really identifying what is it that you're dreaming of and what's the smallest step you could take today towards that. Um, and usually that's that's like a 10, 15 minute thing. I mean, you might miss one episode of your favorite show on TV or Netflix to take the one step. And if you do that every day, you're going to get to that place where you look back and say, oh my gosh, I'm here. I'm just where I dreamed I would be. Very cool. And so much of it is just understanding that it's possible, right? When you were talking earlier in uh, the episode about how people reach out to you with DMs because they connected with your story, right? Uh, yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to absolutely butcher the, uh, <laughs> the correct statistics on this. But if you look back for the longest time, you know, we didn't think it was possible for a human to run a four minute mile. And the, you know, I think it was in the early 1900s, someone finally did it. Um, and the next year, not you know, one other person, not two other people, but a lot of other people ran the four minute mile. And, you know, the takeaway from that is obviously that as humans, we just need to know it's possible and then we can achieve it. And so when you can connect with someone else and they can see you as a real person who has gone through something similar, they can connect with it. They can believe in the possible, uh, you know, change and and that's when things really start happening so i love the i love the phrase dream enabler and i think that huge piece of it is is uh you building them up to to see what is possible and uh helping them just cross that threshold of belief because it really is the small things that that add up and compound um and no such thing as an overnight success yeah, and this is why I love visualization so much. I always recommend that people just spend 10 minutes getting really quiet in the morning and then thinking about what what do they want to achieve today? What do they want to achieve, you know, in their business? What are their goals? Kind of holding that and then just visualizing what that's going to look and feel like when they get there. And it does an amazing thing. Like you begin to see possibility and you'll find yourself in your visualization, imagining the steps you would take to get there. And I know for me, then I, when I get to work, I'm like, Oh, that thing I saw me doing, I could actually do that right now. <laughs> and it just focuses you on taking different actions than you would take if you're not holding that vision close. I couldn't agree more. So Tell me, Carla, have you visualized a tap to flap victory with our game segment of the show? <laughs> oh my gosh. We Since we did the test beforehand, I have not. I'm visualizing. I just want to get through one of those little things because th this girl historically has not been a master at video games. I'll just say that. Historically, no it has not happened. Yeah. Today is the day, though. Today's the day, live on the spot. That's right. No pressure. <laughs> so would you open up that link and share your screen? I'll put a, a timer of one minute on the clock. So I'm going to count you down from three and I'll start the one minute timer. 
We're going to have you start flapping. If you get a game over, just keep clicking. It'll reset. And at the end of the minute, we'll automatically get your high score from the game. So are okay, you ready? ready. All right. All right. Three, two, one, go. Click away. Okay. That was already better than you said you were doing before. So, so I saw Tracy do this and she... Oh, you got one. You visualized it and it's come to pass. It happened. I'm a, you know what I heard from that? I heard I'm a winner. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm too high. So I'm visualizing too. <laughs> Good. We need more than one person visualizing. Uh. <laughs> uh, what is your high score? Uh, it's well over 100. We uh, just recorded a special episode where I showed off my skills. Uh, I'll have to look back, but I think I got 40-something. You're like a, a, a tap-to-flap, like... Prodigy. <laughs> I've just demoed it so many times, gotten good at it. Uh, All right, five one. seconds. Let's see if you can get that too. Oh, oh so close. All I'm, right. I'm well, you're learning, not... my friend. I'm learning. You did great. Thank you for playing. High score of one. Not the only <laughs> podcast guest with that score. So thank you for humoring me. You're on Instagram, you're on LinkedIn. We're gonna share your link tree uh, when the episode goes live. But if someone wants to get in touch with you, Carla, where's the best place to reach out? The best place to reach out really is LinkedIn. And if you'll connect with me there, we can chat in the direct messages. I'll follow your content and learn a little bit about you. And I'm always happy to jump on a Zoom call. So if anyone has questions about the Get Paid From The Stage program or any of the other work that I do, just connect with me on LinkedIn, shoot me a direct message, and we'll schedule a time to chat. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. This was fun.